I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. In this podcast, we have our Boroughs win against West Bromwich Albion, the defeat against Barnsley at Orkwell. We give our praise and place nominations of the week. We look ahead to the FA Cup tie with Spurs with Ricky Sachs from the last word on Spurs podcast chatting to us. And also we look ahead to the playoff clash with Lewin with the We Are Luton Town podcast. And of course, we answer your podcast questions. This is the Borough Breakdown podcast, and this is our Borough Match Day chatter in a pod. One support. Curtis Fleming is there on the edge of the air. Fleming for That's Craig it. Hignett. Hit it, Higgy. Higgy hits the track. Avanelli coming alive again. Janino wants the ball played to him. Avanelli spots out. Hello and welcome to the Bora Breakdown Podcast with Johnny Taylor and Tom. We are the Bora Podcast that gives you all of your Bora Match Day chatter in a podcast. And well, a win at home against West Bromwich Albion and a calamitous defeat at Orkwell against Barnsley. So Bora dropped to eighth place in the championship table. Two points off Lutwin, who occupied the last playoff place. And we do play them on Saturday. Um, guys, went to Barnsley yesterday. Less said the better. Um, how are you feeling <laughs> In three words. Dana, do you want to go first? It's a bit of a weird one to describe this week because obviously we can't forget about the midweek victory against West Brom, which was a good victory. I think we were well-deserving of the three points. But then that that defeat to Barnsley, obviously, given that it was the most recent game, is clouding my uh, memory somewhat. It's quite dark clouds as well, it must be said. So it's a... I would say some mixed feelings. That would be my three words some for this week. Some mixed feelings for Dana. Then, Tom, how are you feeling? Yeah, I think mine, uh, I'm going to say just typical Borough this week, and that's just kind of looking over the course of the week. Of, of course, we had the uh, the great win against West Brom. Um, you know, we showed some, uh, I don't want to say great character, because it's not like, uh, what's his name, Brendan Rodgers, but um, <laughs> just to, to come back from that against a good team in West Brom as well, I think, obviously, they haven't been playing well recently, but we, we can't forget like the names that they have in that team and that they were Premier League team last year. Um, to come back and win like that, I thought it was a great win. Uh gave me plenty of stuff to be op- optimistic for for our trip to Barnsley. And then we put in that type of performance. And you know, I don't know why I just didn't expect it from Borough after 29 years, but it can still surprise you. 
<laughs> I mean, they do. They do surprise you. Um, mine's going to be up and down, I think, yeah, from the heights mm. of, of midweek and then also yesterday, which was very disappointing. But we'll come on to that in a second. But let's chat about West Bromwich Albion first. And Borough did welcome Steve Bruce's side to the Riverside, knowing a win would get us back into the playoff places. And West Bromwich Albion hadn't scored a goal under Steve Bruce. But against Middlesbrough, you absolutely called it. And we did concede against West Bromwich Albion. Um, but how would we assess the game? Because like you've both mentioned there, it was a really, really good result for Borough. Dana, how are you feeling about it? Yeah, I thought we started the game well. The first 20, 25 minutes, we were dominant. We were, we had the majority of possession. It looked like we were going to get the first goal. And of course, we didn't. The goal that we conceded was just just sloppy. It's been a theme of Borough's goals that we've conceded of late. Just individual errors. Housen and Fry misjudged their headers. And then by the time that Carroll cuts the ball back into the box, I mean, Paddy Menez kind of off balance. He tries to clear the ball. It's not a great clearance. Jason Malumbi finds himself with the opportunity to shoot. He does, it takes a deflection off Tav and ends up in the back of the net. It was so disappointing. And then what disappointed me as well after that was our reaction to that goal because I felt like we we tried to rush it, we tried to force things and the referee was interesting to say the least. He had a really, really bad afternoon. I thought it was very poor officiating, but I think we let that get on top of us. But you could see that there was a tactic in Borough's playing me and Tom noted it during the game that those diagonals up towards Jones obviously we saw for West Brom they were set up in a 4-3-3 on the ball but out of possession it was more of a 4-5-1 with Grady Dean Garner and Carlin Grant coming central really or coming in field to compact that midfield and condense the spaces and and that's why we had that joy out wide and to be fair it worked we had that ball from McNair towards Isaiah Jones Connor Townsend brought him down. Don't know how that wasn't a foul. Don't know how that wasn't a, a booking at least. It was ridiculous officiating. And it was obviously a tactic from ours to exploit that vulnerability and that weakness. And as I said, it worked. And first half, not great. Made the changes in the second half and and, and they definitely made an impact in the game. Yeah, absolutely. Tom, how would you assess things as well uh, from your perspective? I know Dana's mentioned quite a bit there, but is there anything that you want you want to add to that? Yeah, I thought uh, it was it was a bit worrying for me how we didn't cope with their physicality, uh, particularly in the first half. Um, I thought this a uh, bit about the game yesterday as well. I do think we miss Matt Crooks when he's uh, he's not playing, uh, just to add a, a little bit more bite into the midfield. Um, we we seem to be other than the diagonal balls uh, to Jones, as Dana mentioned, which I, I thought were working well, um, we seemed to be trying to force it through the middle a bit too much, and it was a bit too compact. Um, I'm pretty sure Wilder mentioned it in his uh, post-match press conference, but uh, Balogun kept on dropping to kind of number 10, but he was getting marked out by all three players every time he did it. Um, so obviously there, there needed to be some tactical changes at half-time, and I, I did like... Uh, the changes he made, it made, uh, made us a lot more attacking. Um, uh, in terms of the pressing up front, um, it, it seemed a lot quicker um, and it, it did force the errors and, and ultimately got us the the two goals. But um, yeah, it, it seemed like we weren't kind of learning from, from our mistakes in the first half. Mm. Well, you've you both mentioned there the changes that Wilder made and the, the changes he did make was Tav came on the left-hand side, Sparan, <coughs> Watmore came on uh, for Balogun and Connolly respectively. But why why do you think the, those changes worked so, so well then, Tom? Um, I think it just gave us a bit more balance. Um, obviously, Tav being out on the left-hand side, which, I mean, 
although I've I've backed him in centre mid, and I would still do that because I still think he's developing his game very well um, in that position. I thought he he brought the balance that we didn't have with Neil Taylor at left wing back, uh, and gave us more of a threat on that side as well. Um, so it, it uh, gave West Brom a bit more than just kind of Jones to to worry about. And then, as I said, with uh, with Sparrow and Watmore, particularly Watmore, the pressing up front uh, was forcing them. Uh, the West Brom defence in the mistakes um, and, and you know we were able to play a bit more quicker which you know allowed us to get those two goals but I did I did like um, I, I did like the fact that when the uh, when we got ahead we were able to kind of make a, a final change just to um uh, to, to balance it again, put Peltier back in uh, left wing back and, and see out the game really. Um, although I, I, I was a fan with of how we kind of sort the game, and got the the three points. I would have liked to have seen us go for the third towards the end as well because we had a couple of chances where if the ball was just squared, it, it was a pretty clear goal scoring opportunity. Um, but instead, it was it was taken to the corner a couple of times, which I can understand why they why they did it, but. Even so, it would have made it a little bit more comfortable to see the uh, the game out if if we'd have taken advantage of those uh, those chances that we could have made. Yeah, absolutely. Um, appreciate Steve Bruce had the opportunity and could see that Mills were really dominating that left on the left hand side. Well, his right hand side for Dean Garner really pinned him back, but refused to make the changes. So I feel like we should <laughs> thank Steve Bruce for that. Um, but in terms of Tav Dana finally scored um, and there was a lot of clamour for it afterwards to say put Tav on the wing uh, for future games but how are you feeling about it do you think he should be moved out wide or do you think we should stick where he is at the moment I think we should keep him in midfield but what this offers is for a, a very good plan B if they need it because as Tom said the move to put Tav out wide changed the game I think it stretched the game we had two outlets there in Jones and Tav and also I think because of that as I mentioned with Grady Dean Gala and Carlin Grant it pushed them wider which meant there was a lot more the likes of Riley McGree and Housen to do their thing and and they did their thing and we were a lot better in midfield we were a lot better out wide and I mean to be fair I understand the clamour for Tav to to be out wide because you've got Neil Taylor there who is solid but he's not going to be an attacking left wing back is he he's going to be as I said just a solid option there on that left and I think we saw that against Barnsley where he wasn't really getting up the pitch so much I mean to be fair we were penned in in the first half and we will get on to that but Tav out wide is is a good option it was interesting that Stuart Downing was talking him up on that left hand side I mean he's got the credentials to talk him up as well Stewie so I think it was interesting footnote after the match but for me I would keep him I would keep him through the middle Um, if we do need to change it up against a team that may maybe have vulnerabilities out wide then it's a a very good plan B This is Paige the co-host of Giggly Squad and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving Olive and June Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. 
system. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. And just adding to that, you did say that when Tav scores, you're on the pitch. Um, <laughs> why didn't you go on the pitch? <laughs> I know. I'll tell you what, Johnny, how, how did we even get here with Tav? Because do you remember the whole Dana's eating humble pie about Tav? I, I don't know how we've got here with him, but yeah, it was brilliant to see him score. I, I wasn't quite on the pitch, but yeah, I, I did enjoy that. I, I buzzing for him, honestly, because he it has been coming. He's been getting into some good positions. He's been taking some good shots, but a lot of them have been blocked. And, you know, there's been opportunities where he's driven into the box. He's been kind of led down the line a little bit and then shut out. But he's had some good opportunities to shoot, good chances. And yeah, finally he's got that goal, which is a massive burden off his shoulders there because everybody's wanted that, hasn't he? Uh, haven't there? And I mean, a goal and an assist and then an assist against Bristol City. He's now getting those goal contributions. And yeah, very happy for Tav. Yeah, see, the Tav pie, gas mark six for a season. And then we, that tends to do the trick, doesn't <laughs> it? It was I think I've consumed so much humble pie from Tav that I am now the humble pie. <laughs> then it is pie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, see, told you, Dan, told you. I'm joking, I'm joking. Um, it, no, but yeah, I agree. I think Tav's been fantastic over this, over this season. In the last, I think this last couple of seasons where, you know, he's he's been put in a difficult position because of the managers that I think we've had probably as of late haven't really fit his style but when a manager does come in and gives him that ability to and the opportunity to play the way that he's currently playing we are probably seeing the best out of him and he's becoming such a valuable member in this team and like we've said previously on this podcast that if you take Tav out the team this team probably gets a lot worse than what it what it is and I think he's been fantastic so far this season but there is a player who has come in and really really hit the ground running that's Riley McCree and Tom he seems to be a real gem, doesn't he? Yeah, I mean, we, we haven't obviously seen too much of him uh, just yet, just a couple of sub-appearances and the, the 90 minutes against West Brom. But, uh, 
yeah, he, he seems really positive when he's on the ball. He's he's constantly looking to to get forward. Um, I, I like how he's uh, he's quite a technical player, and he can definitely pick a pass as well. I mean, that pass for um, Tav's assist on the first goal, uh, you know, how he spotted that that run through and and just kind of placed it at exactly the right power for for Tav to run on. It, that was that was great to see. Um, Obviously, it's only a few games in, and don't want to kind of get carried away or anything. But from the initial looks of him, it's making me a little bit more positive about our recruitment strategy in general as well. Um, the fact that we are looking for these kind of like more technical players who are going to fit into this system, um, whereas before, I mean, it, it, even as as recently as last summer, although you know we were seeing the initial. Um, uh, steps towards this this kind of change in, in recruitment. Um, it, it was still a little bit all over the place in terms of the uh, the players we were signing. Um, but now it, it just seems like we we have a, a clear type of player that we're we're trying to sign for this team. Um, so, I mean, McGree, I think is just the start of it. You know, while they kind of said that uh, says as much, he wants uh, to build a team kind of like young, uh, technically good players. Um, but it's making me excited for the summer, no matter what league we're in. Um, I, I think the signs that we're going to make, if that's the start of them, then uh, it, it's going to be a good season next season. Yeah, and it was also Wilder's first permanent sign as well. So. The Yeoman start uh, are quite good on that front. But in terms of that win then, it builds we went back into the playoff places. We were absolutely buzzing with the win. And we travelled to Orkwell with a saxophone in hand um, from Player Brew on, on the Thursday and dreams of victory. And even Barnsley fan Joe was, was saying you could beat us in any shape, way or form we wanted to. And we were brimming with confidence until... About five minutes, about five ten minutes in, we were about two 0 down. Um, but in terms of a typical Borough showing up and a three two defeat, um, Dan, I want to come to you again. How would you assess it? That first half was was terrible. It was rank bad. And Chris Wilder said after the game that he didn't put the performance down to an attitude problem. But I don't agree with him. I can't agree with him because in that first half, I watched a team in Barnsley that just wanted it more than us. They were quicker. They were sharper. Their pressing was spot on. They were winning all the battles all over the pitch in that first half. And we couldn't get out. We were penned in. And I was watching the highlights back this morning and it genuinely felt like we were an underdog in an FA Cup match, trying to cling on to some sort of respectable result. And it was weird because, and I like Barnsley, but they're bottom of the league and, or were anyway. Mm. And, you know, Joe came on the podcast and said, we are absolutely crap. And I said to him yesterday, (laughs) so much for being absolutely crap. Because, I mean, where did that come from? It was, honestly, I hate Oakwell. I really do. There's something about that ground. We must be hexed because every time we go there, we just seem to drop an absolute clangor of a performance. And that was another one. The first half was absolutely terrible. The second half, we improved. Wilder made the changes and they worked. I thought Balogun was a bright spark of a very dull Borough performance. And I thought Tab was good in the second half as well. But self-inflicted errors, goals so sloppy that you're just pulling your hair out and cursing at the sky thinking what the hell am I watching here it was um yeah it was a really bad afternoon for Borough bad afternoon Tom what would you put that defeat down to then I think similar to what Dana's just said there because you could tell in the first half how fired up they were for us and I'm trying to think here but I the the name of the team's not coming to me off, off the top of my head but 
we had a performance uh, recently under Wilder where he, he said we just kind of turned up and expect to walk over them. Either you guys remember which team it was? Redding. Redding, yeah. Redding. So I feel like it was like that. Like, you know, we, we're probably on a high coming off West Brom and you come into Barnsley who've, you know, barely won at home all season and are in the position they're in in the league. I feel like our players must have thought it was going to be easy or something because you can see in the first half, like Dana said, their pressing was quick. You know, it was for- forcing us back. Um, while they said after after the game, you know, the the back three didn't want to kind of get out of our half. And I'd, I kind of agree with that, but also, like, it didn't seem like they could because they, they were just not, not moving. Um, and, and then you, when they did get the ball, like, Barnsley were on him pretty, pretty much straight away. Um, it took until, you know, the changes at half time until we kind of woke up a bit. Uh, a bit. Um, and even so, like, we we did look like we were going to do something. And then they went down the other end and scored the third. Um, and, I mean, considering it took us that long to wake up, like, it, it shouldn't when you're in that position. And I, I've just remembered the game I was thinking of, about, by the way. It was Blackburn, not Redden. Uh, where, no, I was thinking it was Blackburn, turned, yeah. Turned up to, to Ewood Park, kind of expecting to walk over him and, and got done 1-0 and... You know, it, it, it seemed similar yesterday. You, you can't be going to any place in the championship and taking a good hour to wake up and, and start playing. Yeah, I do agree yeah. with what Wilder said. Sorry, John. I do, I do agree with what Wilder said about Carlton Morris because they were tearing us open on that right-hand side, on their right-hand side with Styles and Morris. And I think Queenie mm. was coming over and floating into those areas and Bassey was fantastic as well. They were just cutting us open at will. And Morris was able to pluck balls out of the sky, take them down, bring others into play. And the amount of runs that were being made either side of our centre-halves was just... It was painful to watch at times. And I really like that back three of Dyke Steel, Fry and McNair, but that is the worst I've seen them yesterday. It was just slow, sluggish, really poor defending, poor mistakes. And it just filtered into a really, really bad afternoon. And, and I agree with Tom. I thought in the second half, it looked like we were going to score the next goal and we had chances to. And then they go up the other end and score, which from probably the worst goal of the afternoon, it was... Yeah, it was it was bad. Yeah, it, it, it's very easy to to see the end of the world after this result, probably. Uh, but I think that will co- I think when you take it into context in the way that we've been performing probably over the last seventeen games, um, these type of performances will come eventually. But the the context is that we've still won what ten in seventeen games, still really positive. Uh, we're still very much a, a farm team in in the league and in Europe and. I think it's very easy to try and magnify a result like this. And to be fair, like we all came into that game really confident. Um, I was very, very confident. And mm-hmm. Tom was. Um, Dana, you were you were getting more and more nervous as the as a journey to Barnsley was was going on. Um, and, <laughs> and and to be fair, like I think when Joe was saying there, like on 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 the, on the previous podcast, we were saying how bad they were. Um, and the way that how confident I think we were as as fans and also as probably players. I think, you know, you are going to get shocked. And I think Barnsley did want it more at times. I think they were very, very good. I really like Styles on that right-hand side. I thought he was absolutely superb yesterday. Um, I thought the both their wingers were, and they really caused a lot of problems. And I think sy- system-wise, I think the system in the first half was, was quite poor in terms of personnel in the midfield. Um, we gave a lot away at times and we weren't as strong as we probably could have been. Um, but 
when we look at that game as, as well, we could have quite easily in that second half brought it back and won the game, um, which is pretty crazy because of the amount of chance we had Balligans too, you know, that obviously we scored the penalty. And then also you've got the, the Connolly chance as well, where McNair probably should have shot rather than passed it. But it's like, what if ifs and buts? And I think it's a game where you look back at it and think, well, actually this could go either way. This could probably dictate our season. We go on one route where we just constantly start losing and lose confidence, or we could, it could be a result where we look at it and go, right, we put this behind us now. We have Spurs as like a distraction, but then against Luton, we're really at it from the off and we go for it and we just try and really start to build the season and continue to build the season and the continue to build the, the positive results that we've been having throughout the throughout so far. And let's 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 chat about the the changes we made then on 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 Saturday because Sparan Watmore came in really really positive performances against West Bromwich Albion and deserved the start. And then we also seen uh, James Lee Saliki come in for the first time under Chris Wilder and he replaced Ryan McGree who was injured. Um, but Tom Jealous was in that uh, holding role and it just didn't seem to work um, especially with how soon was more advanced but why didn't it work out well I mean he just seemed too slow on the ball and he, he definitely looked like a player who hasn't played in months which you know I, I, I suppose, suppose he has been but even so like we we all said during the the warm-ups yesterday he was looking really sharp um I thought for, for like from my point of view he must have only been doing weight training since he's been dropped because I couldn't remember him being that big and I thought, you know what? If he's looking that sharp now, uh, he, he might do quite well in the game. And as soon as it hit a game environment, he just seemed to freeze and, and not. Uh, he, he wasn't the same player that we even saw in the in the warmups. Um, obviously, I think he must be showing, showing something in in training for for Wilder to even pick him in the first place. And you know, you've got Boyd Munts uh, on on the bench who. You know, he, he did come on, and I I thought he looked uh, more positive. You know, he is more of a, a young player, one for the future. But I, I think he probably would have been more effective if uh, if he was in Philly Saliki yesterday because it, it just wasn't a good performance from him at all. And then Housen in the more advanced position on the right, it, it just it, it didn't seem to work there. I mean. Down that right hand side, when we we've got our full strength team, that link up between Crooks, Jones, and Dykesdale is always so effective because they all they all know where they're they're going to be. Um, you know, Crooks drops kind of really wide just to to make it easier for uh, for, for Jones and Dykesdale, and we can create chances like that. Didn't get the same thing from Housen, and it's it's probably because he has been playing that that holding role and kind of like knows where he's uh, supposed to supposed to be for that position. I mean, when he was playing more advanced yesterday, he was making some good runs. They just kind of weren't picked out because they weren't the same. I, I think it was because they, they weren't the same runs that Crooks would normally be making. He was kind of more central. Crooks would normally be more wide. Um, so I, f- I think that's why Housen in that position didn't work out. And uh, yeah, just don't really ever want to see James Lacey in the in the central defensive midfield position again. I think that he was sound sounds bad, but I think he was badly exposed by Housen in that game. Um I, for for me I thought the, the distance between Saliki and Housen was so big and they were able to get in that little pocket of space in between them and cause a lot of problems and cause an overload on Dyke Steel, which caused a number of problems and I feel like he was just a victim of one, one just of one a bad performance collectively as a team, and two, I think Housen probably didn't help them as much, and I don't think Housen should be in an advanced position much longer. I think that that CDM role 
stick with CDM role. I don't think he has probably sounds really bad this, but it says I don't think he has that like that leg any that legs anymore to like try and really get up and down the pitch in that advanced role. Do you know what I mean? Like I, I don't I think I think defensively in front of the, the back line, I think he's really, really solid and really I think you know you can rely on House in there and he does that job so well. But in that box to box, I just don't think he's He's there as, as well anymore, but um, we'll we'll break down the goals then, shall we? Because three goals um, in about fifty minutes and two in the first twenty uh, yesterday against Barnsley and Dana. Let's let's break down the first goal because it was kind of a bit of a it's questionable defending, shall we say? Yeah, I couldn't believe it to be honest because. I mean, it's a corner first and foremost, just to add context. To, I mean, I've watched the highlights back and it misses out the fact that there's a there's a corner beforehand. Hence why Maz Anderson is in the position that he's in. Well, the ball comes out in a deep midfield position and there's nobody on the ball, nobody applying pressure. And the commentator even notes this. He says there's no pressure on the ball. Barnsley switched the play. And then by the time it gets out to that wide position, I mean, at least Jones tries to get out a little bit, but he's not helped. There's no midfield pressure Mm-hmm. to be honest and then you know you're looking in it looking at Bassi comes into a central position still not really any pressure on the ball there's so much space the theme of this goal is just the amount of space that we allow uh Barnsley was just ridiculous and then by the time the ball gets into the box Mad uh Mads Anderson is is obviously peeled off McNair don't know who's supposed to be marking him I, I'm assuming positionally it would be it would be Taylor right from that that back post I, I don't know who's mm. supposed to be marking him I don't think that they know who's supposed to be marking him and if I just go back on on the video obviously audio people won't be able to see this but on on the video there's just the space the space out wide to for Barnsley to be able to not only move off the ball but to just spot the options out wide and there's just nothing. Bora is so sluggish and slow to get out from the corner. No pressure on the ball, so much space. And then, yeah, by the time the ball's into the box, Mads Addison peels off McNair, free header, back post. Really, really disappointing. Mm. And it's not even yeah. the most disappointing goal of the afternoon either. I think just on that, on that fourth clip, then, if you don't mind, just bring that back up. It's just the, it's when you look at this, you look at Tav, Saliki, and Taylor. And they're all, one, they're both look, they're all looking at the ball. And then, th- and then two, defensively that overload there you must you got to have someone who's a bit more compact to drop in that central line and they're all looking at each other in there i think it's a bit it's really diff, it's really poor defending i think when you are looking at taylor here taylor's got to come in a bit more centrally to try and reduce the overload but then also i think when you're looking at tav or saliki either, either or i think like one of them has to drop in um but they don't you know they don't help the defensive line at all and i feel like that peel away and the header's a really good movement from Anderson. Um, but again, I think you'd be disappointed from a Borough perspective there. Um, but in terms of the second goal then, Tom, um, let, let's talk us through it because, that, again, it's individual errors that are causing Middlesbrough problems once again. Yeah, and in, in this case, it's uh, it's McNair. So the uh, the play starts off with a free kick just, uh, just behind the ba- uh, halfway line for Barnsley. McNair's given that away. They hit a quick one over the top. Um, as we can see, uh, Dykesdale's goal side of, um, of of Barnsley's attacker here. Um, he's he doesn't kind of bust a gut to get back though. Um, so the Barnsley player does have that kind of extra half a yard on him just to to get the ball, bring it down, and then. What we see when he has brought that down in the box, um, there's only one 
realistic place where that ball could go. Uh, and that's the, the player on the edge of the box. McNair is just kind of not showing enough urgency to get back in the first place, but also uh, a lack of defensive awareness there to cut that passing lane. And it's it's the second week in a row he's actually done it because uh, we highlighted it last week with him not tracking Semenyo as well. Um, if he had closed that passing lane, realistically, that's only going to go backwards or out wide and it gives us uh, more of a chance to, uh, to cut it out. Um, but it does go to the edge of the box and after a few uh, twists and turns, he gets shot away. And then looking at it from from behind the goal, you can see Dykesdale sticks a foot out kind of half-heartedly where, and then just leaves it, which is something you should never be doing as a defender. But also Lumley just doesn't react to that. As soon as that shot's uh, taken, Lumley should have been trying to react to that. And, you know, you, you can probably say kind of as, as a goalkeeper, he might have anticipated that Dykesdale gets a touch and there might be a deflection you've still got to cover that angle because it's far too easy for, for that shot to kind of roll in the bottom corner, even with, you know, Dyke still moving out the way of it, really. I think when you keep, just keep that on, uh, Tom, on the screen, I think when you look at Lumley's body shape there as well, a lot of his weight is on that right foot. So again, when when he's looking to change, it's quite difficult for him to get himself back over on that left-hand side uh, to try and save the shot. But again, defensively it's quite poor and I think the quick free kick's fantastic from Barnsley the catch Borough out and again I think ball watching and just body shapes it's quite it's quite poor from Borough and all probably three goals of the afternoon are all middles were shooting themselves in the foot really and I think when obviously when you look at this second goal and you look at the third goal as well um it's just all a pretty much a comedy comedy of errors to be fair um but how how do you think Borough found themselves on that third goal then because it was our own attack. You know, we had a lot of bodies forward. We could have scored um, very much, pretty much shortly, just shortly before that. But then the, <clears throat> that mistake, Dana, talk me through it because it gets worse every time you see it. It really does. I think that was the part of the game where Dale Fry was playing as a makeshift striker because Chris Wilder had put him up front to, I suppose, try to give that aerial dominance. We were attacking down the wings at that point. But yeah, it's just a ball through the middle and Dyke Steele completely misjudges it. And it looks like to a degree he's recovered. You know, he's got back and he's he's managed to kind of, I don't know, recover his position. Can I say recover his It's difficult to say recover his position because he doesn't really regain possession or get a foothold on the ball. But he does manage to almost tussle with Bassey a little bit, slow him down, get really tight to him, maybe stop a, a cleaner connection on the ball. But then Lumley is stood there. <laughs> Lumley is stood there with his legs open for what felt like an hour and honestly watching the ball just trickle through his legs go over the line it was just so so disappointing it was disappointing from Lumley but also disappointing from Dykesdale it was a really Mm. bad afternoon for Dykesdale a really bad afternoon and another really bad afternoon for Joel Lumley who has come under even more criticism this week than all all the weeks um, preceding that yeah, it was nice to see Lumley do an impression of a crab uh, for the for the third goal with his legs being that wide open. But it's interesting because the the goal the goal scorer itself he could have probably there's three places where he could hit that and he's probably hit it the, the, probably the hardest place to probably shoot at, at straight at the goalkeeper and it's managed to uh, to trickle its way in. And it was a disappointing afternoon. A board did come back in the game, of course, 
we we did score, of course, from the penalty from Sparat, and then at the end of the own goal as well. But like I was saying at the start, that Middlesbrough had so many chances. I think that Balogun chance where he turns, he cushions it down and turns on his left foot and hits it inside the post. So lucky, and then his touch. And that, that was probably if that went in. By the way, that's what you're talking. Probably one of the goals of the season, um, just for technique wise and getting your body over it. I think it was really superb, and he really impressed me yesterday, Balogun. But it was a, it was too little too late by the time we were three 0 down, Dana. And is it a concern that the defence has been making a couple of silly mistakes in the last few games because we've been so strong? You know, there's I appreciate this this we are magnifying it to some extent, but there is a lot of individual errors starting to to starting to bear uh, bear the heads a little bit. Yeah, Chris Wilder said this after the game, didn't he? And it's it's spot on. I mean, recent games, you're thinking. The black. Well, to be honest, actually, since the turn of the year, Mansfield, we conceded two very poor goals through individual mistakes. Blackburn, the McNair air kick, you've got the QPR game, even the first goal from Elias Chair. I mean, there was no pressure on the ball whatsoever. We were basically just inviting him to shoot, and he does, and he scores. The second, Lumley. Um, Bristol City, I, I would say they're more sloppy goals than individual mistakes, but then you look at the game yesterday, and it, to be fair, even the game against West Brom, you got a mistake there from Howson and, and Fryers. As I said, they misjudged the flight of the ball and, and the headers. And it's just, they are creeping into our game, and I think that's a little bit of a worry. The fact that we've also seen them at home would make me ever so slightly worried about our home form. Obviously, we do have a really tough game against Luton coming up. We've got to stop making mistakes like that because we're conceding the first goal. It's putting us on the back foot, and it's really our own doing. We hit, we keep hitting the self-destruct button, and it's almost like the borough of under Warnock where we were doing exactly that and those mistakes have started to creep into our game a little bit and I'm confused as to why because our shape is is decent you know our shape under under Wilder is good out of possession and in possession it's good it's solid but we just keep Mm. making individual errors that it is worrying you have to say it is worrying I'm not going to be I'm not going to sensationalise it. I'm not going to be superlative and say that, oh my God, we're the worst team ever. We keep making mistakes. We're going to finish mid-table. That's not, you know, that's not what I'm thinking here, but it's quite disappointing and worrying to see that we are making these these costly errors. Mm. I think it, what it's like, it's like having like a, a very small food stain on a pristine white shirt. That's kind of fun. <laughs> yeah. It feels like, you know what I mean? And it's, it's just like the tiniest, tiniest little detail. And the, the bigger picture is that we're do we're still doing very very well, but Tom, how does Chris Wilder address the individual errors? How do we make Borough a bit more resolute once again? I think you just need to work on on the defensive shape through uh, through training and just make it like a real objective in the game, just not to concede. I think for me, it's it's worrying that we're having to come from behind so often now. Um, and I, I mean, I, I was thinking this kind of in the back of my mind when we were winning as well. It's not just something that's been kind of caused off the back of uh, losing to Barnsley, but like even, even midweek against West Brom, it's like it's not, we, we shouldn't be behind. But like Dana said, it's these individual errors that are, are starting to creep in and, and, and making it so we have to come from behind so much. So I think it's just a lot of work on, on defensive shape that uh, that needs to be done. Um, and I mean, longer term, I think we need to be looking at recruiting in defence. Um, and I mean, we, we've said it for a couple of months now, but a left-sided centre-back, I think, is an absolute must in the summer because it, it's clearly something we're in need of. Mm. 
Well, we have spoken previously about this and, and about Borough being two different teams in, in 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 games. One forty-five, we can be quite sloppy, and the other over forty-five, we've been absolutely excellent in throwing strikers on and managed to grind out a result, which is really good to do. You know, it, it, I think it's fantastic that Chris Wilder can change a game, and his man management has been absolutely superb since he's came in. But in the individual errors, have been forced in the hand, of course. But how can we look, like look to maintain that high level of performance throughout games, Stanley? Because Middlesbrough are good. We are. We're very good at times, but we're just shooting ourselves in the foot. But how do we maintain that that higher performance for longer periods? I think get our best team back on the pitch. It's good that Crooks is back for obviously the Spurs game and then the the Luton game. That's a big plus. It already strengthens us because our midfield has been such a pivotal part to our our game and the energy in that, both in an attacking sense and in a defensive sense. But yeah, the the mistakes. <sighs> I don't want to pile on Joe Lumley, but you, you do have to question him. Is is he makes mistakes where I'm thinking, what are you thinking? Like, <laughs> just head scratching decisions. And I think I described him before as a meme, and he's not helping himself really. It's just so many mistakes that he makes that are just costly, and I don't think that helps defensively. Mm. I think Dyksill has been shaky of late. Um, Fry didn't have a great game. Um, against Barnes, nah, it's I don't know what they can do really. I mean, the games are coming thick and fast, which is a good thing, I suppose, to be able to rectify the mistakes that they've made and not stew on it. Um, but maybe we just have to ride through it. Maybe, maybe this is a um, an ever so tiny um, blip that we're going through because I mean, let's not not forget we we're still in good form, but the performances have not been great for for a little bit now, to be honest, especially away from home and. Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe it's just the consistency in the games, the consistency in the in the teams and midfield, getting the, the, the full-strength team back. I, I do find it a little bit strange that whoever we play up front, it always seems to be a case of we need to take them off and then whoever comes off the bench is going to be the the super subs. You know, why do we need a situation where we need to bring a super sub on? It's it's getting to a bit of a, of a strange degree at the moment with that. But it's it's nice that we have that competition for places though, and we're and we're, dra- we're trying to drive better performance out of each other. And I think it's it's very nice to see someone come on and make that impact in the game. I think Duncan Watmore against against West Bromwich was, was was superb, completely and utterly changed the game and caused them a lot of problems. Um, but let's move on to questions for the week. Then just before we do that, I just want to quickly mention uh, Morton Urine Disease, uh, our charity uh, for the season, and we hit our target of two thousand pound this week. So thank you very much for for donating uh, everything you can uh, to our charity for the year. And we are looking to raise more money. We have got some raffles coming on. We are going to look to raise money at the ground as well. So do keep an eye out for that. But if you can give what you can, uh, that'd be absolutely great. But thank you very much to everyone who's donated so far, and we're going to keep continuing. Uh, to donate and more and more and more and raise some more money for a fantastic charity. Um, but let's talk about questions then because a gentle reminder, if you, you can send your questions in via Twitter or email at theboardbreakdown.hotmail.com and by joining our Telegram chat, uh, which has over 110 members now and we're all chatting about Borough uh, week in, week out and daily. Uh, but also we're going to be adding a couple of channels to our Telegram chats as well around tickets and match day chatter. And all those kind of things as well. So, so trying to keep Borough fans connected and find a place where you can find away tickets as well. But I'm, I'm assuming we want to be selling those out if we point a performance like we did against Barnsley. Um, but let's put the first question in then because uh, Tom, I want to come to you first. It's from Yajun. He says, do you uh, do the last few performances show Borough's lack of depth and competition for places? 
Uh, I'm going to say yes, but with an asterisk. Um, I think that there's a couple of areas where it's been enforced. Like you look at the right hand side of midfield with with Crooks being suspended, Piero being injured. I think we did have depth there. It's just it's been taken out by factors kind of outside of our control. Um, but there are a couple of other areas where I think we could have done with more depth and, and competition for places. Um, I think House and at CDM being one of them. Um, I think it would benefit him and, and benefit the team if we did have someone else there to be able to play that centre defensive midfield role. Um, and also in defence, I think, um, like I, I like the uh, the defensive options that we have as as backup in, in Peltier and Bamborough. I, I think as hesitant as I was about the, the silence of both of them, they've not really done a lot wrong. Uh, it, it's just at, at the, the ages they're at, are they able to kind of see the uh, the championship season through uh, with the games coming as thick, as thick and fast as they are? Probably not. I mean, like we 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 still need to be kind of playing that uh, back three that we had. But if we had other defenders to kind of step in, like I say, left sided centre back, um, and and probably the the right side as well, just to give a bit more competition to Dykesdale, and you know, I, I think that would only benefit them as well, and and also goalkeeper. Um, because as much as you know, I've I defended Joe Lumley a, a fair few weeks ago. He's done nothing but let me down since then, unfortunately. Uh, but I also don't have a lot of trust in Daniels. And for me, this this season kind of reminds me of that that season where Southgate decided not to replace Schwarz and just keep Brad Jones and Ross Turnbull, despite neither of them really being ready to be a number one keeper. It doesn't feel like we've got a good option uh, in in goal at the moment. Don. Yeah, an option style in goal. Um, but we do have a question around uh, Cholomli in a second, but I'm just going to continue uh, with this one. I'm going to say it's from Gareth, and he says, taking the Borough tinted glasses off, is finishing seventh or eighth this season about right? Completely different team with Crooks in there, but defensive mistakes we've made in the last three or four games is worrying about my promotion momentum. Dana, do you want to take this one? Seventh yeah, or eighth, I mean... Right? I said, I think I said seventh before the season. And I think I even said, I might have said seventh or bumped it up to to six on BBC T's when uh, Chris Wilder came in. But I don't see any reason why we can't get in the top six, to be honest. I don't think that's really changed so much, even though that we obviously we have been beaten by Barnsley. To be fair, we always get beat by Barnsley. So I'm not taking it. <clears throat> I'm not taking it as as a means to say that we're, we can't get into the top six, but it is incredibly tight. And yeah, we are making mistakes. And in such a top six, uh, such a tight top six battle, those mistakes can can really undo all the good work that you've done. So I'm hoping that we can eradicate those. Firstly, I think we still will finish in the top six. There's a lot of football left to play. There's a lot of uh, ups and downs still to endure. Um, I think other teams will will go through blips and Borough could take advantage of that. But um, I know this isn't the question, but would it be bad if we finished seventh or eighth? No, I don't think it would be. I think it's a a building process, isn't it? I think I mentioned last week that we are maybe three positions off me expecting us to go up. I think goalkeeper, left wing back and then a striker as well that can guarantee us goals. Because I think there's there's a bit of an issue with um, well with boring strikers in general, to be honest. But um, yeah, I, I wouldn't expect. I haven't really changed my opinion, to be honest. Even despite that disappointing defeat to Barnsley, I still think mm. we'll get into the top six. Yeah, 
Look, it's one defeat. Do you know what I mean? It's it's one or two defeats we've had in a couple in in the last few games. It's not the end of the world, and I don't think that'll dictate our season. But you know, it can either do two things, like I mentioned earlier: we can go on a downer, or we can go and take we can take this result and use it as motivation to try and get into the playoffs. And like I think you're right, Dana. Like I think seventh or eighth, like yes, that's that's fine. Give give Wilder a full season, his own squad, and see how we do from there. Like that is still just as exciting um yeah, as anything this we do in this doing this season as well. But Tom, next question it's from Matt Rowney. Um and he says, Do our recent habit of conceding first in games worry you? Yeah. Um I'm a short answer to that, yeah. But uh <laughs> next question. We're 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 going I, f- I feel like that that bit of luck uh I don't want to say a bit of luck, but that might run out. Um, you know, being able to to kind of bounce back and, and, and come back and win games like two one. Um we we clearly got the the character to do it. Um and you know, I I'd be interested to see kind of like our stats for winning from a, a losing position compared to everyone else since Wilder came in because it, it definitely feels like that belief's being instilled but we don't want to be having to come from behind every time we'd, we'd like to be able to keep a clean sheet and there's going to be times like what happened yesterday where things are just going to get worse and we're just going to make ourselves a bigger mountain to climb yeah um, I think yeah I think it's, it's a bit worrying uh, to be honest but he was like you were saying that Tom, I pretty much agree with you. Like, got to try and stop that. But in terms of the next question, it's from Tom Waldowney and Matt Rowney did ask something similar as well. And um, he says, in 2022, uh, we have one point from four away games. Do we need to rethink our formation or game plan on the road? Um, Dana, take this one if you want. Yeah, it's, I mean, one point from four. You also factor in the Mansfield game, of course, no points on that because it was a cup game, but performance, I think, below par. The QPR game is probably the best away game that we've played and the best performance that we've had probably since the Forest match. And obviously it was disappointing we didn't get the three points from that because I think we deserved it based on our performance and our second half dominance. But yeah, potentially, I mean, it's got to the point with our away form, it's it's definitely contrasting to our home form. Our home form is top top two, top three in the division. Um, I think it's maybe second now, Fulham obviously won um, at the weekend. But, I mean, it, it it's one of those, is it? It gets to a point where you're thinking, OK, could we change things? I quite like the four, the, the three four three or the three four one two that mm. we play with the number 10 and then two number nines. I quite like that, but obviously that takes away a midfielder. And then you've got House and Tav, Crooks, who do you drop? I think based on form, I think they're all, they're all playing reasonably well. I mean, Tav obviously adding goals and assists to his game. Crooks is invaluable to the team. Do you take Housen out? Probably not. Um, so it's what what do you do? Because Chris Wilder does like the the wing back system. Um, obviously, people will say, well, could you put Tav left wing back? I've kind of answered that a little bit earlier on, saying that it's a plan B for me rather than a plan A. Though it would be interesting to see it from the start going forward. I think that people will probably change their opinion, though, to be honest. I think maybe you get certain teams that work, certain teams that won't, um, and we'll miss his energy in the middle. But um, yeah, it's, it's a difficult one to answer. I think potentially maybe we do need to change things a little bit. Mm. I probably disagree with you, to be honest. And I, I think we should. I know, I know you're going to have to have tweaks in games and you know change to the opposition to some extent. But I think Borough are such a well-drilled side now. Wonder Wilder, like the shape and the well movement off on and off the ball, our like our, our, our progressive style and our overall play is 
is still really, really good. Um, it's really enjoyable to watch. It's really fun. Um, but I think it's just individual errors that are causing the issues. And it, unfortunately, you can't control a human. They're not robots. They're going to make mistakes. Yeah. Like it's impossible to have that perfect, uh, perfect performance at times. And I think we can only make tweaks, can't we? And I think yeah. But then, to... but then I'm thinking, as I said, Mansfield. I thought we were quite poor in that game. The game against Blackburn, I thought we were quite poor in that one. Um, or, or maybe I should say below par more than poor. I think we were poor against Man. Uh, sorry, below par against Mansfield, below par against Blackburn, <clears throat> and then the Bristol City game. Okay, we, uh, sorry, QPR. I thought that was that was a really good performance. And then Bristol City, we were okay, but then I think we mm. obviously didn't have that conviction in the final third, shall we say? And, and if that's a reoccurring theme, if we don't have the conviction in the final third then it's a question of should we maybe tweak something a little bit, I go 3-4-3 or 3-4-1-2. Um, mm. I think performances, and, and I know it's easy for me to say the performances haven't been great off the back of a really disappointing defeat, but I think even at the time, you know, Mansfield, I, I remember saying that it wasn't a great performance from Borough. Um, so you could potentially see a little bit of a change, not, not something completely, you know, night and day to what we've, we've already gone through because let's be honest we we are we are, in st- we are still in good form this isn't panic stations or anything like that we're in good form good decent momentum still even despite that defeat and things are, are, are pretty rosy but just little tweaks maybe okay then uh and then we'll, let's move on to the next question um it's on carl and he says was it necessary really necessary for james lee saliki to play could we have not push paddy into midfield and use bamba at the back it was a massive risk playing jls um tom do you want to take this one? Yeah. Um, I don't think it was a massive risk because, like I said earlier, I feel like he must have shown something in training for, for Wilder to pick him in the first place. I don't think Wilder would have picked him just for the sake of having a centre midfielder there. I do agree with the other part of the question, though, that said we could have pushed Paddy in there and, and you saw Bamber at the back or, or even, even Lee Peltier at the back. Um I personally felt like that would have been the better option to go with, um, but I trusted in in Wilder for that that decision to to bring Saliki in. I thought, okay, maybe he's going to be the manager to uh, to get the best out of him, and uh, uh, just that it, it wasn't a great forty five minutes from him at all. So I, I would have said playing, playing uh, Paddy and um, Housen's position, or even in, in Crooks's position, would have been the the better option to take. Okay, and then the final question, and a lot of people have asked for this. Um, should Sol Brin get his chance? Uh, Joel Lumley, appreciate he's made quite a few clangers in the last game. And Wilder can do a couple of things about this, but Sol Brin is on the, is on the lips of pretty much a lot of Borough fans at the moment um, to get his chance it's, since he's been recalled from Queen of the South. Um he was a Queen of the South, wasn't he? Yeah, he was a Queen of the South. Yeah, yeah he was. Yeah, yeah. I had to double-check myself there. Um, Dana <laughs> and Tom, I'll, let's, let's hear both your thoughts on this. Tom, do you want to go first on this one? Yeah, I think we just have to be careful uh, with it. I think we've seen a lot of examples before of goalkeepers coming through our academy uh, and having a lot of pressure placed on them straight away. Uh, you know, Connor Ripley conceding five at home to Burnley comes to mind. Uh, you know, Jason Steele, when he came into it, I thought he showed a lot of promise in the early games. And then it kind of wore off because you could tell he wasn't great at commanding his area. Um, 
I just I think we need to be wary about placing that much pressure on on a younger goalkeeper. We have we'd have to be absolutely sure that he's ready to take the step up in the championship um, before kind of giving him that chance. Mm. At the moment, I'm leaning more towards giving Daniels another chance. I said earlier I don't really trust him as much as as well or all, all Lumley at the moment. <laughs> um, but if I'm going to be totally fair to him, he was brought in called from uh, from not playing football in quite a while and just dropped in the middle of the championship season. Like I say, I don't think he, he did much to convince me in, in the games that he did play, but I don't think that we can persist with Lumley at the moment with the mistakes he's making and the, and the bad form that he seems to be on. Because it does seem like his confidence is low at the moment and it's going to be, be the case of you know, man management from Wilder to pick him up and, and kind of help them carry on to the end of the season or replace them with, with Daniels and, and try to hype Daniels up as much as possible to to get good performances out with him. Because when we signed him, uh, mm-hmm. Brentford fans were all kind of under the impression we were signing him to be a number one goalkeeper. I've not seen that from him just yet, but hope, I'm, I trust the opinion of, of Brentford fans who have watched him play. Um so I'd, I'd probably give him another chance before Solbrin at the moment. Okay. Uh, Dana, what do you think? Yeah, I would worry for Solbrin, to be honest, if he was put into this situation. It's a pressure cooker situation. The last stages of a very tight top six battle. And mm. our fans, it's a minority of them, but they're very loud. They have a knack of putting young players on a pedestal. And then as soon as they have a bit of bad form, they will be tearing them down. And given that a goalkeeping position is such a precarious one, so brittle in confidence, you see the pressure on Lumley, the criticism that he's getting at the moment. I'd, I would fear for, or maybe not fear is the right word, but I would worry for for Solbrin if he was put in that situation, to be honest. I mean, of course, long term, I'd like to see Solbrin, but I just don't feel like now. But then people say, well... <clears throat> Well, what do you do? And to be honest, I think we are stuck. We probably weren't going to get somebody in in January unless it was going to be maybe a Dijon Stjanovic type signing, the number one from abroad that's enticed by the lure of potential Premier League football or paying big bucks for somebody's number one in the Championship or or League One, which is probably unlikely to happen. So I think we're, we're a bit stuck, to be honest. And I would expect a new goalkeeper to come in in the summer. Yeah, I think we we probably will go for for keeper in the summer. And I think Solbrin, I don't I don't think he's 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 ready yet either. Um, I think he, he what twenty one year old. Um, he's only had a handful of games. Uh, in 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 professional football, and I appreciate he did very very well at Queen of the South. We did bring him back for a couple of reasons: one, uh, Dejan uh, leaving on loan; two, he doesn't count as a, a player because I think as a as a over the twenty five does he because of his his homegrown. Um, yeah. you know, coming through the academy, so we needed that extra person to probably help us bring another player in. So probably a couple of reasons why we have brought him back, and he's only going to keep learning as he's at the club and keep developing. And I think game time will be will come for him, but I think I just, I just don't think we should gamble too yet. He's twenty one year old, really young kids. You don't want to hammer him straight away. Um, he wants you want you want to give him game time elsewhere probably to really develop and really sharpen his skills even more. And I think there is talent there, absolutely. There's there's definitely bags of talent for this goalkeeper, but not right now is probably my answer. And I think if we are to to change keeper, yeah, why not give Daniels a couple of games? But it's, it's like you were saying there, Tom, very much management under under Chris Wilder. See what works for, for Joel Umley. 
does Joe Lumley need time out or does Joe Lumley need an arm around the shoulder and be, you know what, you're still the number one. Yes, you've made a couple of mistakes. Yes, it is magnified as a goalkeeper because every player makes mistakes on the pitch. It's just magnified if you're a goalkeeper. And you've got to kind of say you're the man and try and build him up if he still is the goalkeeper. But you can't, I know, I know there's a lot of clamour for it and I know fans are very reactory, but you've just got to really kind of be like, look, it's a mistake. It, again, it's, it's just football. And at the end of the day, he's a human being. Just don't absolutely hammer him too much because... Again, he is a footballer for, for us, and that is kind of it. Um, yeah, there were to... people that were booing him yesterday, which I just didn't agree with. I don't understand this, yeah. to be honest. I think, you know, as a family, we need to be better than this. I mean, we're stuck with, you know, we, we can't bring anybody yeah. in now. So what is the, like, what do people gain from booing him? I don't understand that whatsoever. You're only going to plummet his confidence down more if you're projecting that almost, you know, the anger and frustration at him. It's, yeah, I don't agree with the booing yeah, I think mean, like I was saying, it's it's just it's just a constant case of keep trying to build it as much as we possibly can. And you know, if it if it doesn't work out in the summer, we don't get in the playoffs in the summer, so what? You know, next year we could be a really good side of the championship. But even if we do get in the playoffs and we continue to build and we go up, then that's absolutely fine. We'll probably still look to address that position in the summer. But just don't worry about it too much. It is just one or two games and we we'll probably get a better we'll probably find a key that's probably more suited to Chris Wilder's style probably in the summer. Um, but let's go on the praise and play, Sam, before we look ahead to Spurs and Luton. Um, although it was a bit of a difficult one on Saturday, but who gets your praise and place for the week? Uh, Tom, let's go first. Who, who's going to be in your praise and place? I think there's only one I can I can pick out. Um, and to be honest, it was difficult for me to find any positives walking back from that <laughs> game. Um, but the more I kind of think about it in the highlights I've watched, it's got to be Balogun. I thought he was unlucky to hit the post twice, looked really bright when he came on and looked like he wanted to make something happen. Um, so I, I, I think it's got to be him. I think a goal's coming for him. Um, but what I would like to see is him replicate that over a full 90 minutes because I think we, we've said he's looked bright and wanted to make things happen and stuff a lot when he's came on as kind of an impact sub, but he's not really done the same when he started I'd, I'd love to see him kind of just uh, maintain that level of performance for 90 minutes and and get a goal because you can see he is, he is going to be a quality player he just I, I think once he starts scoring he, he probably won't stop mm. Dana who are you going to go for? Yeah, Balogun, I think. I, I don't really need to add much more, to be honest. I thought it was bright when he came on. Um, some good touches, some good moments where he kind of took it around defenders and got us into a better position than what he uh, received the ball in. So, yeah, I'd say Balogun. Okay, I'm going to go Balogun, McCree and Watmore. Uh, McCree and Watmore for earlier in the week. I thought they were absolutely superb. Um, really changed the game for West Brom. And then Balogun yesterday. He is some boy, by the way, Balogun. What a talent. What a really technical football like really really good um but we'll see obviously like thomas thomas saying there if, he's, if he scores one he might score two three or four five ten thirty six before the season's out so um we'll we'll see on that one but let's let's look ahead to spurs then and because on tuesday night borough come up against antonio Conte's tottenham hotspur in the fa cup fifth round spurs have come up a four nil win against Leeds united which seen uh Leeds united boss marcelo bielsa get sacked um but spurs and um, let's let's find out a little bit more from them so we asked ricky Sachs uh, from the last word podcast to find out a little bit more about tottenham this season 
Hello, guys. Ricky Sachs here from The Last Word on Spurs. Hope you're all keeping very, very safe and well. Thank you so much for having me. I'm here to provide you with a preview of Tottenham Hotspur's FA Cup tie up against Middlesbrough. I think it's fair to say for Tottenham, it's been, as always, an inconsistent season, which I feel like we've been saying for the last four or five years, where we've had, of course, at the likes of Jose Mourinho, Maurizio Pochettino, and at the moment, we've obviously got Antonio Conte in a season where we also replaced him with Nuno Espirito Santo. So always never a dull side at Tottenham. There's always something going on. Uh, I think it's fair to say that, listen, we've all been enthusiastic by the appointment of Antonio Conte, but well aware as fans that this is going to be a relationship that's going to take some time. It's in the midst of a rebuild. So Spurs know what they need to do in, you'd like to think, the next year or two if they are to be successful at the football club. And if Antonio Conte is going to be here, I think that's still the key question at the moment. I think, you know, the last week or so, has seen massive speculation over the future of Antonio Conte and whether he'll be at Tottenham beyond this current season. And that's down to the fact that I think he's well aware now that coming into the job, I think the naivety from outside from many managers is that Spurs aren't as bad as what they look. And then when you start to work with the squad that you realise there's still a lot to be done if Spurs are to return to where they were under Pochettino, where they were consistently finishing in the top four and ultimately competing for trophies and the big trophies like the Champions League, as we saw Spurs get to a final just less than 36 months ago. So I think for Tottenham, there's a lot of work that needs to be done over the course of the next 12 to 18 months to rebuild and replenish the squad. But again, this opportunity in the FA Cup gives Tottenham the opportunity to win a trophy, a club that's only won one trophy in the last 20 years. And if you look at Spurs' form coming into the game, of course, they had that wonderful win against Manchester City just a week ago from now, in which they were simply superb, um, utterly deserved that win against City. And then you cast your mind back just four or five days ago with a real, real insipid display up at Turf Moor against Burnley, where, yet yeah, Spurs just simply weren't at it. And, you know, this is a massive game for Tottenham in the FA Cup. I think we know that Chris Wilder's Middlesbrough side have gone really, really strong despite that defeat this weekend. And Spurs are going to have to be at their ultimate maximum in terms of competing if they are to progress in this FA Cup tie because Middlesbrough will come to try and spoil the party. They know they're underdogs, but that may very well play into their hands. They've got a really good manager in Chris Wilder, who not too long ago was managing the Premier League, getting results in his first full season, of course, with Sheffield United. So Spurs need to be well aware that if they're not up for it from the minute one, then they're going to struggle. And I do anticipate Spurs will make a number of changes, potentially, but having said that, I think the players coming in um, ultimately now know their plan for a starting place. The likes, of course, of Steven Bergvine that's been on the bench recently. Um, you may argue that Joe Roden may get his chance at centre-back, but um, although I'm saying there'll be a number of changes, I think Spurs will go fairly strong because I think Conte understands the importance of the FA Cup to the Spurs fans, and we can't get away from the fact that in these couple of seasons at Chelsea, he got to the FA, FA Cup semi-final uh, or final both times, so um, he's a man that is a serial winner. Uh, he loves to win, hates to lose, and Spurs need to have that, I think, belief going into the game that this is an opportunity to get to another cup final, fingers crossed, and they can finally get over the line under a top manager. So lots of pressure for Tottenham on this game. Fans will be expectant. They'll take a huge amount of supporters up, of course, to the Riverside. So personally, for me, I'm going to go with a 2-1 Spurs win. I see it being a really, really tight contest, but I think Spurs will just edge it on the night and head through in what's a massive week for the football club. But um, guys, listen, keep going strong with that promotion charge and fingers crossed. We look forward to seeing you 
in the Premier League next season and all the very best for the rest of the season. Thank you so much, guys. And we're Last Word on Spurs. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook if you're interested in any Spurs content. And we look forward to speaking to you guys soon. Take care. Bye-bye. Yeah, thank you very much, Ricky. Um, I must admit that the Last Word on Spurs uh, podcast and pages are, pages are really, really good. I think they've just got about 80,000 followers on, on Twitter. Um, and yeah, really good. Um, but in terms of Ricky said, it's pretty much what Spurs shores up, really. And it's very Spursy of them to probably lose this game against Middlesbrough. Um, but what are your thoughts on the game, guys? Because it, an FA Cup tie, anything can happen. Dan, what do you think? I can't wait for Luton. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. This this Tottenham game kind of feels like when Brock, Misty and Ash are trying to get over the river and Snorlax is in the way and is asleep. Like That's just what the Tottenham game is. Like, Of course, it's going to be a good occasion for Riverside Stadium. But like, I just, I just want us to play in the league, to be honest. This is a free hit. Uh, see how we play and then move on to, top, um, move on to Luton. Okay then. Uh, Tom, what do you think? Uh, I don't think I'm topping that Pokemon reference, like, but okay. uh, <laughs> um, yeah, kind of reasonably excited for it. I'm, I'm more looking forward to the atmosphere on, on Tuesday more than anything else. It's obviously a sellout game. I'm uh, I'm quite aware and happy with with the fact that it is, and it, it's positive financially for us. Uh, hopefully it'll be a good game. Uh, I'd want to see a performance more along the lines of what we did against Man United rather than what we just did yesterday against Barnsley. Um, but hopefully, like Dennis said, it, it's a free hit. If we can have a good performance against Spurs, win, lose or draw, and then just go into the, the game against Luton a bit more confident, I'll be happy with that. So, predictions then, what he's going to go for. Dana, I'm assuming you're thinking 10-0 defeat and get it over and done with. <laughs> no, no. Um... I mean, Harry Kane's found his found his old score in boots, hasn't he? And obviously, the the link up between him and Son is is quite important. Um, aren't they the most deadliest duo in, in in Premier League history, something like that? So yeah, it's going to be a really tough afternoon for Borah. I mean, if we play like we did against Barnsley, they probably will beat us about ten 0 because our midfield was was really poor in in the game as far as yeah, and our defence as well. But um, no, I think I, I, I do. I don't know to be honest. I'm, I might go to. I might go with what Ricky said and um, two on Spurs. Mm. Uh, Tom, what are you going to go for? I'm also going with what what Ricky and Denver have just said and going to one Spurs. Um, yeah, I, I, I could probably see your scoring in it. Um, and your know, best case scenario, it ends one one the same way as against United, and then extra time and anything can happen. Um, I, I just think with with Kane finding his goal scoring form again, uh, he might pop up with with the winner. Um, I, as much as I'd love to see him join Ronaldo and Dale Fry's back pocket, I uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just just having doubt, doubts after our kind of recent form. Okay, then. Well, I asked when I was on the podcast earlier this week. I said two on Spurs as well, but. I'm going to go with 2-1 Middlesbrough now to be positive because you're all being <laughs> negative. Um, I'm going to go 2-1 Borough and I'm, I'm going to go with Balogun to score the winner. Um, Arsenal-Lorny, of course, would be perfect to knock them out of the FA Cup round. Yeah, yeah. It'd be a lovely little story, wouldn't it? Um, and also 20 years ago, the last time they won a trophy, former Borough manager Jonathan Woodgate scored a 
for that one as well. So, you know, the Yeomans could potentially be good for Middlesbrough and hopefully we win. Uh, you know, build the confidence up a little bit more. Um, but after that, we look ahead to Luton Town. The Hatters have picked up 15 points out of 18 in February. And to get a flavour uh, about the game, we asked Ian from the very, very good We Are Luton Town page uh, to give us some insight on Luton this season. Hi, it's Ian Robertson from We Are Luton Town. Just looking at our, obviously our season so far, it's been a, you know, a great start and a great middle. It's all about the ending now. You know, I don't think uh, many Luton fans would think we'd be in the position where we are now. Where, you know, I don't think we'd be far off, but uh, to be sneaking in the playoff zone is, is really, really good. And if you look at our current form, hopefully we can continue that trend. Uh, currently, we in the last 15 games, we won 11, lost two and drawn two. And only Fulham have a better form than that. So, you know, we're on a really good run. We're grinding out wins, even when it's not pretty performances. We've had quite a few injuries. We still have got quite a few injuries, which, you know, has, has hampered any fluency um, with team selections. So we've had to use the squad, which has been really, really good to see. Um, we've got the results out the back end of that. Obviously, you guys are you know very good at home as well. I think you've won the last six at home, if not more. Um, so it's going to be a really, really good game. I think uh, it should be a a good atmosphere. Obviously, it's going to be quite a tense game, so I don't know how much football will be played from either side, but um, hopefully we can get the win there. Uh, just looking at um, some of the key players that you, you gather thus far, I mean, you know, we're, we're very much our team. You know, it's not really a team of individuals, but we do have a little bit of a spine running through it, which... You know, we kind of utilise. So we've got Adebayo up top, uh, Campbell in the middle, which is relentless, um, just runs all game. And then Naismith at the back. Again, he's been absolutely solid, which has culminated in us having 14 clean sheets this year so far, which is you know, a fantastic return. It's going to be a tough game, I think. Like I said, it's not much football that's going to be played. I think it'll be a really good atmosphere, tetchy. And, you know, physical game. Um, you guys have really turned a corner since Wilder came in. So I think it's going to be a really good battle. I don't think it's going to be season-defining for either team. So I think it's a case of uh, I'd be really happy with a one-all draw. I think Middlesbrough fans would be as well. And then we can move on after that. But, yeah, obviously, you know, we'll see what happens on Saturday. And uh, touch wood, we can, we can come away with a decent result. But, uh, obviously, well done so far. Hopefully we can... Uh, get some form of result at the weekend and good luck after that so thank you very much for that Ian um, guys thoughts on this one because massive game uh, for the for the chase for the playoffs uh, and the road to the road to Wembley um, Dana go on then how are you feeling about this one are you more positive on this one you said you're looking forward to it yeah, yeah, no, I am. I think <clears throat> obviously the the last game against Luton was one of the laws of the season. To be honest, we I remember Neil Warnock went into that game wanting more fight from his team, and to be fair, we we did show a little bit more fight, and then it just went so catastrophically wrong. They stepped on us in midfield and tore us apart, really. So I think this game's probably going to be decided in midfield. Adebayo was fantastic that that evening, and um, so I think Dale Fry is going to be um, and McNair and Dyke still actually are going to be in for a tough afternoon. Um, but yeah, I'm excited for this one. I'm excited to see how Luton have, have progressed throughout the season. Um, they always seem to be a team that are in good form. They maybe take a tiny little step back a, a bit. Um, so uh, yeah, I mean, interesting game. I think it's going to be tough. I think prediction-wise, I'm going to go with a tight 1-0 Borough. 1-0 Borough. Um, Tom, what are you going to go for? 
I think I'm also going to go with 1-0 Borough. When, when I think Borough versus Luton, other than the last game that we played and, and the first one under under Woodgate, I just think very, very tough games uh, and very tight score lines. And I don't see this being any exception. I do have a bit more faith in us playing at home uh, against them. I don't think we'd put in the same performance that we did under Warnock earlier in the season. Um, and I, I think we can get the win. I just I can see it being... What, what a game more along the lines of what we had against Coventry or Swansea. Um, that it, it's just going to be very tough to to break down, and we'll get the goal, but it, it's not mm. going to look certain until the final whistle blows. Okay, um, so both one nils for the Perriers. I'm going to go two one. I think uh, another two one. I think Luton are really really good. We said at the start of the year and in January as well. They, these could be the team. Uh, that could be surprised quite a lot of people this season, and they've done very, very well under Nathan Jones, and I think they'll continue to continue to do that as, towards the end of the season. Uh, but yeah, I'm going to go 2-1. I think we'll just edge it uh, on that from when we have to as well if we want to get the playoffs this season. Um, and the final question from me, Mills will return the Palmer in the bun uh, this this season. Then, and I just wanted to get your thoughts on it, because chips and curry or Palmer in a bun? What do you think? Oh, no contest, Johnny. It's always chips and curry for me. Chips and curry. Tom? It's chips and curry. Like there's there's no better after a borough win than walking back to the car with chips and curry. I think Palm one of one's too dry. Okay. Well, <laughs> oh yeah, that's about... dependent on the bechamel sauce, isn't it? Mm. It's non existent sometimes, but the, the curry sauce is always there. Yeah. It's all about it's all about dependable. the ratio. Yeah, dependable chips and curry from the Mackham on the on the way out from the ground. Um, <laughs> but that's it, guys. Thank you very much for joining me as always. And thank you very much to the listener for listening. But Boris stumble at Orkwell and drop out the playoffs with seven points separating fourth to tenth. The race of playoffs is well and truly on, but can Bora get back to winning ways? We'll find out next week on the Bora Breakdown podcast. And that was all your Bora Match Day chatter in a pod. Up the Bora Breakdown. <laughs>